it's nice to hear your own voice for some reason when you're doing podcasts. It's like a, an instant feedback. You actually have to hear it. You have to. It's very important. Yeah. Uh, the Your voice, so for anyone listening, sounds a lot different when you're getting instant feedback on the podcast. It sounds. Yeah. I feel like it sounds like a better reflection of your voice because when you listen to your voice on recordings after the fact it sounds much worse and oh it sounds my god it sounds horrendous horrendous to your brain sometimes i'll catch myself listening to the podcast looking for a clip and then i like maybe for like 10 15 minutes and i'm like this isn't that bad then i'll remember it's my own voice or daryl has just been talking for 10 minutes <laughs> and then i'll have to turn it off <laughs> it's weird isn't it yeah i'm like jesus yeah, this stuff makes sense and i'm like oh it's me that this, makes sense this stuff is all strangely familiar and then I, it's you'll like have I've to said it before so this is the third episode in our q a podcast and so while we, as we said, we didn't want the, anything to be behind the paywall with the Patreons for any kind of information, we did give first dibs on the podcast as we just limit these to a certain number to our Patreons. And one of our Patreons, Stephen, came first out. First dibs on the, the questions being answered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he basically wanted to know, how do you train weightlifting and powerlifting concurrently, aka at the same time? The super total program. The super total program. So first of all, realistically, this is, is needs massive detail and like yeah. an incredibly in depth podcast. But and we will do a full podcast yeah, on it. Exactly. But for right now, we'll just uh, give you the basics. That firstly, my opinion would be is you could train weightlifting a lot and get better at the squat and bench. Yeah. But if you want to be really great at them, it will definitely affect your weightlifting. Yeah, I think like the main answer to that question is very slowly. Yeah. So you can train all five lifts, but it's not going to be a very steep slope of progression. Um, and I think there's like certain factors working against each other. Like if, yeah. if you're doing snatches, you have to be extremely primed. You can't have a system that's super neurologically fatigued mm-hmm. you can't be like sluggish but then but you also need all that. the time after deadlifting yeah. you're always sluggish but you also need to be really fresh then for deadlifting you yeah you're really primed for a deadlift yeah and then you have the things like if you're benching a lot which closer to competition you will be benching a lot mm-hmm. if you're benching three or four times a week it's definitely going to affect your overhead position like realistically you'll have to be benching if you want to be decent at least twice a week twice a week is probably a good number for most people anyway yeah. yeah 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 I think twice a week is the minimum threshold for for progress like the weightlifting will help your powerlifting an awful lot but the powerlifting most likely just hurts your weightlifting yeah in some like, ways yeah depending on like the squat could be beneficial yeah if you're a lighter weight class or a lighter weight class female the benching will probably help you yeah in terms of like elbow stability shoulder stability just putting on a bit of muscle mass will definitely help you um but the overall like it's fatigue and managing that fatigue and managing your loading is is going to be the most difficult like you're definitely limiting your weightlifting and, and so your powerlifting i think to a lesser extent i would say yeah it is to a lesser extent I would probably approach it something like five you'll have to do at least five days a week realistically if you yeah. want to be tipping away at them it's going to have to be one snatch and one full clean and jerk a week like one with each like not a two sessions yeah 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 and then 
you'll probably deadlifting will have to be once every two weeks and then you'll probably have your pulls kind of thing yeah I think <laughs> when we're writing these programs you're definitely going to see clean deadlifts and snatch deadlifts yeah. and clean pulls and snatch pulls kind of taking the place of much of your higher volume deadlifting sets and like typical like mixed grip or even if you're doing sumo yeah um, I think that could be you know an underutilized exercise there for a bit of weightlifting sometimes do you? a little bit of sumo not a white sumo now but kind of a, a squat stand sumo a semi sumo semi sumo <laughs> like a narrow sumo yeah like for a bit of quad hypertrophy or maybe up people who have problem with their hips coming up too fast yeah or it could actually and people who have very tight adductors yeah just training those positions might be like beneficial for, if let's say you just did like nationals and you trained or American Open and you've trained your absolute whole lot for this yeah if you did like four or five weeks of sumo deadlifts and a bit of like GPP stuff or like kind of hypertrophy thing I think it wouldn't be a bad idea no even if you did them deficit too like it would also give your knees a break yeah for sure you know, like the knee is being challenged, obviously, in a sumo deadlift, but it's in a very different motor pattern or movement pattern than uh, than you'd see in like a high bare back squat. You know, it's kind of like um, an alternative belt squat. It's like a variation of the belt squat. <laughs> if you were to do like a deficit sumo yeah. stance, I'm going to try those actually, because I've been doing um, I have very small VMOs relative to my um, fucking medial fucking quads. That's lateralis. Yeah, like our lateral. Yeah are quite overblown compared to my quads yeah or so my VMO and the I think they're quite overblown compared to everything <laughs> I mean, my ass <laughs> medialis is quite underdeveloped I think and you s- sometimes in weightlifters you see that and other times weightlifters you see the crazy ones yeah so obviously if you squat with your I don't know why we've gone with this but we're going in there anyway uh, if you squat like toes out you target medialis a bit more or whatever I mean, toes forward is a bit more... No, no, so toes out in a wider stance is more vastus lateralis. Mm. It is narrow stance. Yeah, narrow toes, toes out. Toes straight, no, narrow stance, toes straight forward. Like, No, I don't think so straight forward would give you... It doesn't really make a difference because the VMO is only for the last 15 degrees of lockout. Yeah. So it's only in like, literally as you stand up to the very top, the VMO comes into it. So the very, very bottom of your squat like doesn't really have too much of an effect. The orientation of your toes has more of an effect over what's happening behind. So on your three hamstrings, which of those is really activating? I think it would definitely affect it a small bit more, like if you have toes out, though. I think you get a little bit more, just just by the angle of it. I'm going to look this up. I have looked it up. I don't, I genuinely... Anyway, I but yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely governed by your your stance and your anthropomorphics like how you're actually built yeah is going to dictate how much of a vmo you have and how you train but anyway i get a lot of kind of quad pain on the kind of closer to my glute meat kind of yeah hip flexors just like after training they get really achy like sometimes i wake up and i that's just probably from a massive like an imbalance there so i've been doing heel elevators close stance toes out goblet squats yeah disgusting I might need to need a heavier weight though I might need like 60 kilos on the bar or something and do like front squats with it yeah I really like belt squats for those I you know like that can't load them enough yeah we, you need some apparatus yeah I don't really have any apparatus anyway yeah it's a bit of a hassle they're a great exercise oh my god they're and hugely underutilized yeah massively 
you see people kind of throw them into a program in a prep phase, but like they're so good for loading legs without loading the spine. Yeah. So why wouldn't you use them in season? Um, I don't know how we get onto that. Anyway, but long story short, weightlifting and powerlifting is kind kind of goes together. But if you want to be truly great at either, I suppose it's it's important to acknowledge. But if you are someone who just wants to be strong all around, uh, you can definitely do it. If you just go like Dara said, very, very, very slowly, very, very slowly. And I think like the thing is, don't treat all five lifts like they need the same amount of attention every week. Like you can get away with deadlifting yeah. a hell of a lot less, but like you need to be snatching multiple times per week, and you need to be doing your accessory work every single day. I think that's the a very very important point as well definitely get injured more as well if you're oh 100% yeah and like there's so much variation if you're going from doing three sessions or four sessions to then going to a fifth session like by the time you get around to day one week two from day one week one it's a long time ago and you've done done a lot of movement since so it's very likely that that movement isn't going to be fresh in your head yeah What's the next um, question? The next one is We'll move to the Seeker Strength Instagram. We have Mobility exercises to improve front rack for jerk. So we actually have a video, but I think we might reshoot it because there's some extra things I want to talk about. Oh really? But, but yeah, the um, basically long story short with front rack is what you need to focus on is not your wrists or your forearms flexibility no. they're actually largely irrelevant like most people have bar some catastrophic injury you've had maybe in a previous previous life everyone has basically the same range of motion and it's probably like four, I think 45 and 45 degrees if you're looking yeah, at it straight I think down it's, I think it's negligible like yeah. whatever happens at your wrist doesn't really matter so basically what you're looking at is if you're in extreme cases the size of your arms, which most people isn't a problem. <laughs> and for everyone else, it's either thoracic or your lat mobility. Yeah. Uh, so you might have very poor internal rotation as a poor, as a result of poor lat mobility. Or you might have just, you just might be really fucking a desk warrior. Yeah. And it's really hard really for you to internally rotated. So a lot of, like, two main exercises is a palms up stick in your hand and basically what do they call those shot shoulder is it shoulder rotations uh, shoulder dislocations dislocations that's the word I was looking for so palms up shoulder dislocations but lying on a bench but yeah. not going you know when you see people warming up for crossfit classes the world over oh my god and, and they, they, pop, do, they literally dislocate their shoulders they're just doing shoulder yeah. dislocations but they're like driving through a range of motion and they have their grip so wide that they're not like yeah they're just basically rotating their arms yeah. around like it's just a thing to do while you're waiting for the class to start <laughs> So we want to do these with a bit more focus. So yeah. we want you to lie flat on your back on a bench. Ideally, keep your ribs down. But this is like, you kind of have to give a little to get a little bit these, I think. So a little bit of rib flare or a lot of rib flare. <laughs> it's not what you're looking for is, is a strong overhead position. You're just looking to stretch something. So it's just a warm yeah. up. So if you ideally, you keep your ribs flat on the bench and your lower back not arched. So palms up with a stick. Start with um, a clean grip, so really neutral, so just in line with your shoulder. And then slowly go back overhead, palms up, knuckles straight, arms straight. And then as you progress through the days or the weeks, depending on your mobility or lack thereof, you go a little bit wider. And really important as well, I find, is don't let your fingers start coming off the bar. And you just start, what happens then is if you let go of the stick with your little fingers, 
you kind of see so it all the time. You're starting to get a bit of a neutral grip as opposed to a yeah. pans up, so yeah, you're no longer yeah. supinated. So you're you're kind of going to like a neutral grip, and while you're like, oh, I've got way range of motion, what you're actually doing is you're just basically changing the exercise. Yeah, so you've gone from supinated to kind of a, a neutral because you only have your index finger and your thumb wrapped around this, you know? Yeah. So the, the inside of your palm is after rotating out, so you change your shoulder angle, and you're like, so what you really got to do is squeeze it with your little finger and keep that stick flat in the palm of your hand. And then after a while, or maybe immediately, depending on your mobility, is you, is add some weight on the stick, so put a, a change plate or a five kilo plate, and you really don't need to go that, lot, that heavy with these. No, I think five is like... It's probably the most. The max people will need, yeah. So then... Very slowly, you go back to your clean grip and then very, very slowly rotate back over your head while lying flat on the bench and then slowly move your hands out wider. I and it's, it's so important to keep your elbows locked very during important. the whole movement as well. Not even from an injury perspective, you're just looking for it to really get the use out of this, this exercise. Yeah. And then I just do these before and after every session if you really tight or definitely before every session where you do some kind of front squats or cleans. And then the, another one is hanging from the bar in a chin-up grip or supinated grip. And important with these is that you let yourself really hang into it. So yeah. sometimes you kind of tense into it, you know? So you want like you want to really relax into it and go as wide as you can. Yeah. So at the start, you might be able, only able to do, again, like a clean grip or shoulder width and progress out. They're probably the two most useful. Yeah. So I think those hangs from the bar and, like, control descents from the bar where you're, like, really elongating the muscle. Yeah. Um. That's what seems to make the biggest difference. I really like front squats with straps. They help me a long way. They help me get over the initial hump. But they also put a massive amount of pressure yeah. on certain muscle groups. And you will feel it. So I definitely don't recommend that. I would say take the longer route if you can. Also, They're very aggressive. Like, very aggressive. And I think, like, so it's different if you've got somebody who has a substantial amount of muscle mass. A lot of motor control mm -hmm. around the front rack. So they have, like, very strong presses. And then very strong squats. Whereas I think if you take someone who's still at the kind of novice or intermediate stage who maybe mightn't be holding that much muscle around their shoulder yeah, and then get them strapped to a bar, even if it's like 20 kilos or 15 kilos, mm -hmm. and get them doing front squats, like you're putting a huge amount of load through the wrist and the elbow and the shoulder. That you, you end up pressing a lot of nerves too for some reason. So Yeah, and I think like it's the same with the with the hangs you know if you start weighting those a lot yeah. or if you really start fighting those uh, shoulder dislocations yeah like the body reacts and tenses up to that mm -hmm. and then you end up having like the opposite reaction of what you want to happen you have like yeah. a, a subconscious shortening of the muscle rather than yeah and nice conscious lengthening so the, the front squat straps or cleans the straps is just uh if you you'll know if you can do them yeah. If you have any doubt in your head, you definitely shouldn't be doing them. I don't like... It's not really... It's the least paramount of those exercises to use. I would I would yeah. definitely put it far at the end. Like, I haven't needed to use the straps since I've been doing a lot of the internal rotation and bar hangs. So another thing for me was losing a few kilos body weight, just some muscle mass helps. Yeah. Or lack of. <laughs> um, anything else to say about front rack? No, I think, like, uh, if it is something that you're continually having issues with and you're trying all the exercises... Maybe it's time for you then to take a look at the other things you're doing. So it might be that uh, you have poor posture when you're at work or however you sit at a desk. Mm -hmm. But it could also be the accessory work you're doing. So what are you doing before and after training? If you're doing uh, five sets of 15 push-ups three times a week, 
it's probably not going to be too beneficial to you having a great front rack position or if you're doing a load of dumbbell bench or a load of yeah upper body anterior body building movements mm-hmm. it's probably not going to be ideal to have a poor front yeah how how to reset after hitting a PR for example in the squat basically yeah just you've reset your snatch this week yeah well no I reset it um, a few weeks ago I suppose oh was it only building into it now again yeah, 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 yeah. like I went back from 125 sets to 85 kilos yeah so the most important thing about resetting and we always say this and I know we sound like a broken record but is you just can't start too light you just no. literally you, you couldn't start there's just no conceivable world where you can start too light it is just in no way is it a negative no it may take you a little bit longer to get back but it, it just will pay dividends so long so that's probably just the most important thing about resetting yeah is go so much lighter than you think you need to because if you think about it this way I know we've talked about it in the past where we talk about building your little block tower and a certain number of blocks reaches the PB getting your Lego blocks out like if you get your Lego blocks out so very like if you start very slowly you're accumulating volume and total tonnage yeah and the most important part of hitting PBs is building up that total tonnage so if you need 100 squats yeah. and 100 kilos to get to 130 or whatever it doesn't matter how long it takes you it doesn't matter if it takes more than 4 weeks as opposed to maybe trying to do in 2 weeks the end result is that you need to get those built up you need to yeah. get that total those number of marks checked off the board so even if you have to do even if you start at 40 kilos instead of 80 kilos yeah you're still getting that volume accumulated so it also gives you time to recover from your previous PR I think the place where people fall down when they're resetting is mm-hmm. they think oh my god I was snatching 100 kilos yeah and now I'm doing fucking 47.5 for sets of 5 yeah and they're thinking oh it's so much weaker than I was before like I still have that yeah that's, head, everybody has that in their head. In my head on Fridays, when I was doing one f- like before Friday. No, what they say Friday before Wednesday. Yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ, how did I snatch one fifty? Like <laughs> I've done it a load of times. Yeah, and I was doing like before when I was doing sets of one twenty. I was like, Fuck! Oh my God, what am I after doing? But then on Friday when I or Wednesday when I did one fifteen for three again, it was yeah. so easy. I was like, Oh, I could definitely do it. Yeah, yeah. So that happens to everyone. So I definitely like that's definitely. Yeah, and it's important to note that like strength athletes aren't extremely strong all year round it's impossible to me yeah and especially people who make their living off being strength athletes Mm -hmm. like you might have guys who are like bloggers or something who are pretty strong all Mm -hmm. the time yeah the vast majority of people who are extremely strong in weightlifting or in powerlifting go through phases of being stronger and go through phases of being weaker than they were before yeah and like it's very easy now to be like Oh, I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to watch ATG and I'm watching training hall videos mm-hmm. or and like you watch only it. see people at their peak. Yeah. Like if you watch some international level weightlifters and you see them doing pulls at 65% when they're five months out. Yeah. You know, like you just kind of need to accept the position you're in and say. Yeah, that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to accept this relative intensity. Like don't get me wrong we all lift weights because we like lifting heavy weights mm-hmm. nobody does weightlifting to lift light weights and accepting but also believing that what you're doing is the right thing to do yeah and trusting that in a few weeks so trust knowing that it's going to get easier that's really important just really yeah, yeah. really knowing that you're going to get better 
rather than thinking, oh, all these heavyweights are going to feel heavy all the time. And that comes with experience too. Yeah. Like the first two times you do it or the first five times you do it, you're probably going to be like, shit, I hope I get back there. Yeah. And then by the time you've taken... 10 years later. Yeah, like literally by the time you're into your 20th <laughs> trough and peak, you're like, all right, it's just happening again. Mistakes made the hard way. Yeah, and like you'll get to know like, okay, if I do this at 180, this is what it's going to feel like at 200. This is what it's going to feel <laughs> like at 220. Like last night I was talking to Dara just after training session and I knew there was a, a debt to be paid coming into the training <laughs> session after say four cleaning jerk sessions within seven days at like one, between 140 and 160 and I I was like you need to do some powers tonight knowing that there would be a heavy debt to be paid <laughs> and of course 120 powers in the clean felt like a million kilos they felt really poor like yeah and I knew the squat was going to be poor as well but what makes it a lot easier to accept and just to rationalise and deal with is to know that you were going to be fatigued. So far worse is to come into a session and either not sure or worse again is to be blindsided by how fatigued you are. Yeah. It's a lot easier to deal with a bad day if you just go, I know I'm going to be tired tonight. And then you just go into the mindset that you're going to do the better option rather than trying and forcing something when there's just no need to. Like I know... I did 240 for three and I could have done five, but last night 215 for trees was like, as Gabriel said, a tombstone graveyard. <laughs> so it's, yeah. just, it's just important just to acknowledge where you are and where you're going to. Yeah, like over the course of a year, you're not going, like you're going to be stronger, but then over the course of micro cycles and meso cycles, you're going to be yeah. in different stages too. Like, for example, we saw Miso, speaking of Miso. Miso cycle. We saw him, uh, like, he snatched 150 and everyone was taking it very, very seriously. And at yeah. 32 kilos below his best or something. Yeah. Another thing as well, I think, when people are coming back from PRs is they make the automatic assumption that they need to do something different than what got them to that PR, which yeah. is definitely some kind of fallacy. And I understand it's kind of an innate thing to think, oh, I don't think, uh, there's just no way this could work again. So if you if you want to change up from a psychological point of view, then that's very understandable. And if you're a recreational athlete, then it's I'm all for that. Yeah. But if you're solely about getting PBs, you just need usually you just need to do the same or more of what got you there. The same yeah, or more. Yeah, just about the same more of the same you know, or more. So of. like, if you started a back squat cycle um, with tens, with tens, and you were starting with tens at a hundred kilos, next time you're going to be starting with tens at a hundred twenty kilos. Maybe not even hundred five yeah, kilos. Yeah, and like making an increase, running that same cycle probably won't get you the exact same number of an increase mm -hmm. but it will get you an increase yeah like it it works i think the amount of people who think they've plateaued but haven't really plateaued they just haven't put in a relative intensity and, and an amount of volume that's yeah sufficient for them to actually make an increase like like the amount of times you hear people like oh i've been weightlifting now and i haven't had a pv in two years and i've just really plateaued my training program and mm -hmm. then you're like okay well you've changed everything four times yeah like you you're not sticking with anything you're not training consistently you've been injured three times yeah you haven't plateaued for two years yeah you've plateaued for four months yeah and it's the last four months you've been training for yeah like you just you can bang your head against the ball or you can use a kango or you can <laughs> use a hammer and chisel or you yeah. can just you can just not do anything and look there are better hammers and chisels out there than some hammers and chisels exactly like Sometimes 
you just have to keep banging your head against the wall too yeah and like if you find a program that works for you stick to it yeah and if it's like if you run through one block and say that block works incredibly well for you you might necessarily need to just go and buy a new block yeah you might need to like obviously this is terrible advice for us to be giving yeah um but like if you've say like block three of our program or something why would you not just reset that run those same four weeks and then move to block four yeah you know or do one two three again but with more weight yeah do one two and three again don't tell anyone yeah don't tell anyone you and you don't even have to buy it you could just reset the numbers yourself (laughs) it's not that hard uh so in to bring it back around so start a much lighter than you think you need to start yeah do more volume than you think you should uh do the same with what you were doing yeah and just trust yourself that it will get better you will hit another pp again yeah and i think nobody has ever hit their genetic potential no one's ever done it no maybe no one that's actually no one i can think of no one's ever hit their true genetic potential <laughs> in weightlifting or strength sports that i can think of maybe no, no there's actually there's no one who's unless you're shit unless you're just absolute dog shit <laughs> and then it doesn't matter so you might as well keep trying anyway yeah but if you've just even a, the little the tiniest bit of strawberry jam in your yeah just that little you've, you've still more to go a little bit of yeah. it might be five more kilos just that bit of thickness around the wrist and any progress is good progress just as Gurf's pulling up the next question then like yeah. the last thing about when you're resetting and starting again I think is maybe just reset where you take solace in, like what you take the little victories from so it might be that you're doing uh, weighted GHD back extensions mm-hmm. and like rather than thinking oh my back squat isn't where it is be like fuck it I I was doing these at body weight four weeks ago and now I'm doing them at 20 kilos mm-hmm. like take those small victories along the way because there's not going to be any big victories for six months yeah you know and, and like take those little wins be happy with them and just keep continuing on how should an athlete manage their strength training in a GAA pre-season? Um, Same so as anyone else, really, I suppose. Yeah, and I, like this goes for most field sports. By the time you get to pre-season, your strength work should be done. Like you should have made your, um, you should have made your strength and power gains, and you should be going into a pre-season now at a state where you're probably a bit stronger than your like obviously you always want to be stronger you always want to be more powerful but you're stronger and more powerful than you absolutely need to be for that GA season because if you take you have probably four or five or six weeks of really hard aerobic pre-season work and that's a lot of running a lot of sprints maybe a lot of machine work uh where you're expending a huge amount of energy you're going to lose some muscle mass during that obviously you want to limit that as best you can but the main thing is before the preseason starts to be have your absolute strength as high as it can possibly be and to have your power production as high as it can possibly be. So you're really focusing on squatting, pulling, uh, pressing, rowing and doing your, your powerful lifts like your hang power cleans or whatever. Then when you get into your GA off season or your GA preseason, so you're probably on the pitch two to three times a week. GA for anyone who's listening is Gaelic football um, the GA also runs hurling uh, but they're like the Irish so. national sports uh, so by the time you get to your or when you're in your pre-season and you're doing your two or three really heavy aerobic sessions every week 
uh, you're going to be hugely fatigued. So your first job is managing your recovery as best you can so you're not losing muscle mass. So you make sure your diet is on point. More importantly, that your sleep is as best as good as it can possibly be. And then you're hydrating well. And then you're probably only going to get in around two gym sessions a week. And all you're doing during those gym sessions is maintaining absolute strength and maintaining power output. So if that was me, I'd pick uh, one, like you're picking lifts basically at a big bang for your buck. So I'm going to pick something that won't fatigue me hugely, but that I would get a big neural load from. So something like uh, maybe a back squat triple or a back squat double for maybe two or three sets. And then I'm going to pick something fast where I'm producing a lot of power. So it might be uh, a hang power clean. If you don't have those movements, it might be a clean pull from the hang with a big shrug at the top. Um, Other good things, like if you don't have that skill necessarily of like the Olympic lifts will be hex bar deadlift jumps. So you're just holding out to a hex bar. It'll be moderately loaded and you're jumping as high as you possibly can. Uh, other good movements for that of like maintaining those really high power outputs will be things like broad jumps uh max vertical jumps lateral jumps anything where you're producing a lot of force as fast as you can next question <laughs> so yeah do your work before the preseason starts and then in season you're going to be really uh really intelligent with your exercise selection pick things that will maintain topping strength and then pick things that will maintain power output as well what are your favorite warm-up exercises slash movements for the shoulders so my ones are the two i just mentioned which are the palms up um over shoulder dislocates lying on the bench and hanging from a pull-up bar when a supinated grip or chin-up grip are definitely my go-to ones at the moment um they really hit all the, the markers for me. I'm going to go a bit left of field with this one. And I'm going to say... Benching. <laughs> definitely not benching. Yeah. Uh, for snatch or jerks is bottoms up kettlebell presses. Warm up? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, like, you'll see when they're catching their first few jerks, it's like really, really wobbly, you know. Mm-hmm. Or it's like the elbow doesn't quite lock out and it's... Unless you have a 120 jerk press. Yeah, obviously you're the fucking exception to the rule and most people who are listening to this with their normal human trick presses don't have that issue. But if you're somebody who like the elbow lockout can be quite weak. Yeah. I think a very common question actually as well. Yeah, how to improve the lockout. Yeah. Wobbly yeah, elbows. I think in the warm up four or five sets, like as you're stretching and as you're moving a bar around, grab an eight or ten kilo kettlebell, flip it upside down. And then just nice and slow sets of like six or eight. You shouldn't be getting a pump or anything. You you can't really go too heavy on these. They're self-limiting in that way. Oh yeah, they'll they'll flip themselves back upright, and you'll know if you went too heavy. Your wrist, yeah. <laughs> uh, so keep them light. Like you're th- you're talking about bit of newer loading as well, squeezing. That's, that's the thing. You're yeah. like that's you're thinking about yeah. getting as much as much neural feedback into your shoulder as possible. You know. Yeah. So if the kettlebells you have in your gym are too light or the handles are really wide and they're super easy yeah. then grab like or sorry if they're or even if they're too difficult you could grab a plate yeah. and hold it in your hand like a waiter's press yeah yeah um but then you can hold like a dumbbell on its side on just your open palm makes them a bit harder mm-hmm. you're just talking about challenging your shoulder to move in reaction to a stimulus i want to do you know when they're saying people are like think about your breathing and you immediately <laughs> you got your breathing 
what I've noticed lately, and I don't really want to tell people, but I want to tell people because it's a podcast, is I've noticed that my, uh, so my ring finger and my little finger haven't been gripping the bar and cleans, and I've had to think about squeezing it oh with them because these produce th- these are for the power in your grip. If oh anyone was wondering, God, yes. the two, this fourth and fifth finger are for yeah. power. And uh, I hope this doesn't fucking you up down. They're cleaning later <laughs> or doing deadlifts, but I, they just weren't squeezing the bar. And I noticed it one day because I was like, I, I've no idea what made me aware of yeah. it. And I could just feel because I could squeeze harder with them. And I was like, yeah. mm. <laughs> I remember I, you saying the thing about the ring finger and the baby finger. You right. said it at one of our seminars. What? About that they like produce the power when you're gripping, you know, yeah. that they're like squeezing. Yeah. And I remember hearing it and I was like, what the like you squeeze through all your fingers yeah. and then we were demonstrating something and I was like a bar overhead and I was like squeezing the bar and yeah. I was like do you want you have like that little yeah. explosion in the back yeah, of your brain yeah, you're yeah. like oh my god so if you, like if you lose these fingers like you basically have no power in your grip that's mad isn't it it feels like you have power in these like in your tongue but your tongue basically does nothing but the thing is can you inverse hook grip where your fingers wrap all the way around the bar and tuck back into your palm I actually can't feel my own pulse with the same hand no Dara <laughs> I can so what was the question <laughs> warm ups oh, Sh- yeah. favourite shoulder warm ups yeah we answered that uh, I, to be honest a bit of dynamic movement as well as no harm in shoulders yeah um, but the shoulders are probably shoulders and ankles are probably the most differest for most people another thing that weightlifters and powerlifters no it's too late now next question the gym, yeah. uh, completely overlook and you're very good for this to be fair to you know, what's that is actually elevating their heart rate oh, and increasing yeah. their internal body temperature so that's the only thing that's ever been shown to prevent injury categorically yeah. is an elevated body temperature. Yeah. Nothing else for so, injury prevention now, not for like better positions or anything like when that. When you warm up, we're doing these inverted commas. Yeah, bunny uh, Like when you're doing a warm up, the reason you're doing a warm up is to increase blood flow, increase internal body temperature, bring yourself through a range of movement so you're kind of neurally prepared to bring yourself through that range of movement. But then also there's a load of other things happening like you're increasing increasing the amount of synovial fluid around your joints Mm -hmm. so like you can't be you can't warm up too much you literally can't you can have the intensity levels too high yeah yeah but like you can't do too much of a warm-up so like 10 minute on a watt bike isn't gonna fucking tire you out Mm -hmm. i even did that in guitar yeah which was fucking mental but you have to be done Okay, so next one. What are your thoughts about Louis Simmons' weightlifting method? So my thoughts on Louis Simmons is that he knows a fuckload about strength training and he, I really like how he thinks about things like, you know, where you're like... And I think weightlifters don't think about this a lot and I've been thinking about this lately because it's a, a lot of the questions. I've, I've definitely passed the thousand mark in the questions I get in the thing. And I think people... Weightlifters actually think in movements too much sometimes rather than being yeah. like my hamstrings are too weak or my obliques are too weak. Yeah, yeah. So Louis yeah. will be like, your obliques are too weak to squat a thousand pounds. Yeah. And then you just go absolutely hammer your obliques. Yeah. And I've noticed that in my abs, I'm doing a lot of payoff presses and uh, sit-ups and it's definitely made a difference squatting. And I think Louis really, really hit the nail on the head there that while of course, looking for movement quality is, is brain supreme. Yeah. But if you don't have strong enough Muscles, 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 to maintain those positions or move through those positions, or produce enough power in those positions. If you can get to them, it's totally pointless. Yeah, and I think he has really, really, really hit the nail on the head. And he's seen so many lifters, power lifters, and general athletes. Yeah, like it, 
it holds massive value and I think it's very important. Now, as for his weightlifting methods, I actually don't know a whole lot about them and I assume if they're anything like conjugate, it's probably useless. Yeah, I, I'm i in the kind of same boat as you. I've seen some stuff he does with weightlifters. Yeah. Um, I've seen him with somebody rigged up to a belt squat machine yeah. doing like hang cleans and I've seen him getting people doing full snatches with bands on the bear and I think those things are not beneficial because like he's talking about training speed under the bear right yeah 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 that's not a thing though it doesn't need to no no like 200 kilos falls at the same speed that 20 kilos falls at that's yeah. just how gravity works it's how fast up you need to pull it is a problem exactly you know and like if he had someone doing pulls with bands or something mm. and they were just doing the pull then it's like okay maybe that makes a bit of sense because they're really elongating the top of their pull and like yeah not a bad not a, no I bad. wouldn't use it but it's not I wouldn't do it but then at the same breath I'd be like okay this might work yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but when you're talking about actively increasing the acceleration that the bear is falling down at yeah I think that can only breed poor motor patterns 100% uh, and bears are heavy your bears are plenty heavy they're fast enough by themselves yeah I think uh, I think when we see him coaching weightlifters a lot of the time the weightlifter is going consulting him about something else yeah or the crossfitter is talking to him about something else and then it's like yeah oh this is novel they're doing something different for a day yeah and it doesn't really matter you know like no. he's not like he's he's not gonna be the next mash bringing four athletes to worlds you know no. or anything like that I would think if I if I had to go to someone who was like, okay, I have eight weeks there after a competition to get in fantastic shape for a really long build oh, up to the Olympics. I'll get go, my volume phase in. Like yeah, get, yeah. yeah. Non specific weightlifting. Yeah, I'd go to him for two months. Yeah. He would be phenomenal for that. Yeah. I would think he'd be fantastic. I think you'd really see some benefits and I'd see, see I think you'd see some really cool exercises. Yeah. But if I was trying to get someone to prep me for the Olympics, oh, I definitely wouldn't be weightlifting though. Would not be him. Alrighty then. Next question. Anything else to say about Louis? Uh, he's a bit nuts. He's fucking mental. That documentary on Netflix is very good. Oh, West Side versus the World. Yeah. Fucking haven't watched Big it yet. Big fan. Big fan of it. Big fan. Bean of it. said it was very good as well. Yeah. Um, I've always had a lot of faith in in, in Louis in terms. I like. And I know he's the strongest gym in the West and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I you know, whatever. don't, I don't care about no, it. No, yeah. like, I think part, that uh, incense is powerful a bit more than uh, weightlifters because, yeah. you know, you give a shit. But, <laughs> but it's a th- it is a thing in powerlifting, like, especially in America, to have the strongest gym, you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And, like, in equipped, non-drug-tested powerlifting competitions, he, he seems... Some re- might say the glory days. He, re- he, re- <laughs> <laughs> he reigns supreme. Yeah. You know, in the, back in the day, they used to put, like, tennis balls behind their knee wraps. What? Yeah, in the back of your knee, like... Back in the mid-90s. Back in the day. Um Yeah, when they used to sit on yoga balls. For <laughs> 400 play. Okay. I'm a shift worker. Still get all my sessions in, but how much gains am I actually losing out on? So, uh, if you're a shift worker who does days, um, early, late kind of thing, you're probably not really losing out on a whole lot. It's just a bit more difficult for you. But in the long run, I'd say you're not really cutting yourself no. too short if you're smart about your training. Definitely, if, it, if it's a shift of like six, six, six to four, or like six, or six twelve to, to twelve six. or something like yeah. that, it's just not ideal. Yeah, and I think like if, if you're nights though, you're definitely cutting yourself short, and you're giving yourself uh, diabetes and cancer and heart problems. 
Yeah, like there's according to the who, who yeah, the World Health who? Organization who um who yeah. So there's some recent who? research came out last year yeah. on the detrimental health effects of working nights. So sleep deprivation is or shift work is now a probable carcinogen. Yeah, I know there's probable bajillions of things on that list from the who. Yeah, but and there's so like having burnt toast in the morning is also a probable carcinogen. So like, right, there's there's negative health effects yeah. or there appears to be negative health effects yeah. is what the literature says. In terms of performance, we then say... It's just going to be very limited. Yeah, you could infer that there might be a decrease in performance and it's very, very likely because it's your circadian rhythm is going to be impaired. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to get the amount of sleep required. What I'd really recommend for anybody working night shifts and they want to train is get something that will track your sleep. Mm-hmm. So if, it, that, if it, that's like one of the wearable trackers or whatever that is, uh, and track the quality of the sleep you actually get. I think total total tangent now, we're going off in the middle of the stratosphere here, but I think we're not, not many years from someone bringing a peptide that gives you legitimate sleep or something similar of that regard. I think like it's not, it's, it's not far off. So like something to put you to sleep ASAP. The huge problem with taking something that will put you to sleep is. But th- this won't be a sleeping pill like this. Yeah, will, yeah, this yeah, will yeah, like yeah. be a cascade of hormones in your body or something. Yeah. So the problem with that is the hormones in your body aren't. You don't have a sleeping cascade of hormones. You know, it's yeah. not like it, like it's, so. You know when people take melatonin that like they think it will like trigger a cascade of hormones that puts them to sleep. Big placebo effect on that, I'd say. Yeah, but sleep is actually the absence of wakefulness hormones. Yeah, yeah, adenosine or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so then it's like, if they're developing a peptide, that peptide would have to be something that not eliminates, but in some way inhibits those hormones from existing in your brain. Like, it'll it'll definitely be, within 10 years, I'd say someone, because it's... It has to be. What's the one they're talking about? Some really big one in America started V, um, the sleeping pill something it's huge you'll know the name of NC I'll just google it there while we're talking about it is, uh, uh, but anyway yeah so if you were, uh, I, w- I would really recommend if you're working shift like those wearable trackers and stuff don't cost a huge amount of money just get something cheap make sure it will track your sleep the Valium oh Valium yeah they, that's um, like an anxiety but, uh, something no. in here. but anyway those things reduce quality of sleep and a lot of them on average I think it's like you get to sleep about 10 minutes faster and you do some weird shit when you're asleep as well so for the shift worker if you I think if you're doing shift work in a cycle so if you're doing like you might have maybe two six weeks block a year or something like that if you're then I think you're you're not limiting your gains at all you're going to have a shit six weeks training or less poor and you're going to have a lot of caffeine at some days rightly or wrongly I think you'll that won't limit you but if you were say like if every four weeks for the length of your athletic career or your performance career or whatever you're looking for if you're cycling through four weeks on or six weeks on of um of night work then you're i don't want to say definitely because people are very resilient yeah and you shouldn't tell yourself that you're going to limit it but what i would say is you're making it a lot harder for yourself i think one, sh- one thing we probably should take into account as well is that a lot of the time if people are doing night shifts that they have maybe two days on two days off yeah yeah and like you can't negate the positive the positives of having two days off yeah you know like you can't negate being able to get 12 hours of sleep and then go training twice possibly yeah you could split your systems up very well yeah and you the likelihood is let's say you've kids or something yeah 
your kids will be at school or whatever and you'll have all day well not all day but you could very feasibly especially if you're home gym or something you might you'll have a lot of time to train people at work are always talking about how much extra time they have on shifts you know and they're not talking about going to the gym but if someone had if you had a four days off in a row to go training so the first day might be shit but you could feasibly get in five to six productive sessions yeah. in four days like really productive sessions and then just take those two nights or next four day cycle or whatever just to recover from that yeah you can definitely make it work and like I, I think nothing will ever it's you can never ever say that something will reduce your um your performance because it's just impossible to know because there's bajillions of variables so you've no idea yeah and then like and there's no good. It, it doesn't. You know good. No. You'll, on, you'll only know by doing so. It's, it doesn't bear thinking about. No. If you can get a different job, it's better. But look, <laughs> the chances are the money is probably a lot better. Whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, I do think two things. I think are coming now that we just brought that up. Right. Is a hair growth, hair regrowing for men. I've said this to you. I think there's yeah. a huge market in this. I think it's going to be a massive. And like I know there's a lot of peptides coming down the line in different pharmaceutical companies. Because uh, gene therapy is very, very, obviously very difficult and very dangerous and it can have yeah. dire, dire consequences. But I think something like that is coming. I, I do think something like the sleep will, will come. So maybe something that like overloads your system with like adenosine receptors and makes you feel really sleepy or something like that. But see, the thing about the hormones as well is your circadian rhythm needs to change. So I, I definitely think something, someone's going to figure it out because like yeah. that sleep market in America with those uh, sleeping pills is huge. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Couple, how, many, how many million Americans take it? Like Yeah. And like you'd pr- in Ireland, a lot of that stuff goes unsaid. Like gun clubs or something like that. Like ranges or you know, gun dealers. Like no one knows about it but you'd be surprised. How many people are actually taking sleeping pills? Yeah, I think you'd be more, like yeah. a lot of people have mentioned in the last while that melatonin and I suppose it's natural. I'm doing bunny ears here now again. Yeah. Or the pregnant cow milk or something, you know. Yeah, like there's a product we have um, that they milk cattle. Late. Yeah, so they milk them in the last, I think it's 30 minutes before darkness. Yeah. And then they have higher levels of natural melatonin in their milk. So obviously cows want their calves to go to sleep. Yeah. And this is some... Uh, it can't hurt you any. Evolutionary thing. This lullaby milk is called. Lullaby milk, yeah. I'm sure it must be in America as well. Yeah, it could be probably loaded with fucking growth hormone though. <laughs> so it's extra good. Yeah, I think like in terms of like sleeping pills and stuff, it would be great if we just got our shit in order and weren't looking at screens. Just went to bed and just went to bed at the right time when it got dark. I'll but tell we're not going to do that. The best sleeping probably. pill you'll ever take is ZMA or zinc and magnesium. Oh my god! The sleep you get is dense. That's yeah. the only way to describe it. It's you like are deep. If you've ever been um, anesthetized, have you ever been put under? Uh, no. The sleep you get when you wake up is, it's it's second only to that. When you no, wa- on a serious note though, ZMA is a hugely beneficial supplement. I, I uh, actually, like, like do you remember the Wednesday there, we came back, whatever, when we were, I was um, putting in an order for a new rifle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I took ZMA before I went to bed yeah. and... I felt very similar to what if I had the extra, so I had an hour and a half less of normal sleep than I normally would get. But yeah. I felt very similar because like it definitely enhances the quality of your sleep. Yeah. I don't know if anyone has done any good studies or anything on there this. Are, there are a good few studies on it. Um, it certainly feels, you feel it immediately, the first night. Yeah. It's it's actually fantastic. And you don't have to buy ZMA because ZMA can be really expensive. It's fucking ridiculous in some places. Yeah. But you can just buy zinc by itself and magnesium by itself. And vitamin B6 by itself. Yeah. You, I don't the B six, 
I can do without. I think I can. The zinc and magnesium really make the difference. Like the thing is, with your diet, you're probably not lacking B six. No, like B six is very, very important for hormonal control. Yeah. Uh, so like certain populations need it a lot more than others. Um, but if you're in the UK or Ireland, or if you're in Europe somewhere, bulk powders make ZMA capsules that are very high potency levels are relatively cheap compared to just buying zinc, magnesium, vitamin B6. Bulk powders you want, did it? Yeah, I think it's an 800 milligram capsule. You can buy them in like one or two kilo bags. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. Oh, uh, they're probably very cheap as well. Very, very cheap, yeah. And like, it's a very high quality. Yeah. Obviously, like if you're going to like GNC or Holland and Barrett or whatever the shop is. Yeah. Potency levels, yeah. Like potency levels are going to change. Uh, The quality of the supplement you're getting is going to change. But like bulk powders tend to have a very, very high level of quality. You know, there's like, you know, if you get like magnesium citrate or something. Yeah. Or like magnesium carbonate. Do you know why there's different ones of those? No, it's just usually the source where they come from, you know. So like yeah, yeah, citrate yeah, yeah, yeah. would might tell you it's coming from like some kind of citric source or whatever. Right. Or carbonate might be coming from chalk or something, you yeah. know. So obviously some of these are easier for you to absorb, and some of them might just pass through your anus. <laughs> so maybe just to be aware of where you're getting yeah. your zinc or your citric. The other thing as well is um, zinc is easy enough, not not easy to overdose on, but there's toxic levels are like usually like only. Four or five toxic is probably a strong word. They're uh, maladaptive dose levels. <laughs> like for men, this can be easy enough to get. Like, I think it's like is it ten milligrams a day or something? Is like the the range they say they aim for. And a lot of those pills will have like some of them are like ten to fourteen kind of. Yeah, yeah. So, just be aware as well. Like, did you get it from your diet and stuff too? That kind yeah. of thing. Obviously, ask your doctor and all that. Blah 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 blah. So that one got way out of hand. Um, <laughs> but for shift worker bringing it around I would say just don't limit yourself and just give it your best shot and you'll never know anyway if you you've no idea what the other answer was yeah opinions of using weighted calisthenics for Olympic lifting dips pull ups etc I think that's an easy one to answer just what we were saying at Louis Simmons and stuff like yeah it's all great the only thing I would say about weighted chin ups is you might strain your biceps because it's really they're heavily involved in snatching and yeah. stuff or or way to pull ups even more so like you're going to become internally sorry. rotated yeah sorry way to pull ups not push um, ups yeah I de- like I love them right yeah I love getting people doing like strict handstand push ups yeah deficit handstand push ups loving those lately strict handstand push ups yeah because they're like they're working the same range as a press but they're incredibly taxing on the midline mm-hmm. they're involving like the whole body which like an Olympic lift would do uh, dips are great pull-ups and chin-ups are great but it, it's like we were saying earlier with the front rack stuff like you need to be very very cognizant of what you're doing and like the aim is to be good at my dog is twitching and chasing something in her sleep uh, so you need to be very cognizant of like the aim of your training and if the aim of your training is to get better at snatches and cleaning jerks and pull-ups are becoming the main aim of your training and really really fatiguing you like they're probably not ideal but generally I really like them I would like weighted dips for sure that kind of thing weighted push ups yeah. I would just be cautious of weighted chin ups or pull ups yeah. uh, I would definitely try to do neutral grip ones if you can Yeah, they're fabulous yeah and like you're gonna get a lot more out of a weighted pull up or a weighted push up or weighted handstand press or just deficit 
handstand press than you will out of weighted handstand press than you will out of who's, sitting on a machine who's listening to this <laughs> fucking Dan Bailey yeah uh but you'll get a lot more out of that than you will of like sitting on a machine or doing like fucking cable presses like um next question is can you give us a recipe of those delicious looking oats so what I do with these right is I don't tell them no I'm gonna tell them don't tell them so we get um normal milk and dark chocolate almond milk and I make the porridge so I do like kind of 70 30 or 50 50 70 of like the normal full fat milk and then I cook them then I take it out and I put in this is literally only to flavour so this is not for nutritional value but yeah a lot of protein powders or most of them are really low carb these days like very very low carb like 2 grams of carbs per scoop or whatever so yeah. a, this is just just the flavour as I add in like half a scoop of like protein or whatever and then I mix it in so I don't put in the protein before you cook it because it makes it go all weird all right and then I leave it overnight and then put strawberries on top of it and it's delicious. I have it every I can, morning. I can vouch for this. Those oats taste fucking amazing. They're even better with protein but we didn't have any today. But they <laughs> are just the biz. Yeah. They. I look forward to every morning. Strawberries. Strawberries this time of year aren't great now. They're kind of watery. Yeah, those strawberries today weren't. They're great. But they'll do. I think we're just haunted with where we live and yeah. the quality of the fresh produce we get. Yeah. Um, how are we doing for time? I'd say we've time for one more. Oh, that's kind of an interesting one. Actually, I think it's worth. Um, what do you think of Xi Jiang only front squatting? So, long story short, I don't know if you're aware, but basically, someone mentioned one of the I don't know it was a mass drink or someone said that she's young just really prefers front squatting yeah like he predominantly does in his training yeah and a few people have asked me this so it's barely it's worth answering it's like the third or fourth time this has been asked now I think what's important to note so for example we've seen she's young do it like a 230 pause front squat and we might have seen him do more in another training hall or training video but what's very 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 important to note there is is that just because she's young isn't back squatting it still leaves the door open that he can probably be back squat 280 or 290. Yeah. Which lets you know that he doesn't need to do any more back squats. Yes. So I know a few people have asked me this as well. Is there like, what do you think of just front squats for weightlifting? And I think for almost everybody who's asked that, it's a terrible idea. Because Xi Zhang's leg strength, he has a huge reserve of leg strength. So he can, judging by his 230 pause front squat, he can at least do 270 or 280 back squats, yeah. right? Which is... The absolute perfect number for the weights yeah. he wants to be doing so that's more than enough so he can clearly maintain that very well by doing his front squats and front squats are driven by a back squat so he obviously has a higher back squat yeah and he obviously feels better if he does frequently lots of heavy front squats but the and other, Xi Jinping can do what he wants the other thing is he's in the fourth year of an Olympic cycle yeah so like he's he's closing in on the kind of final eight or nine months mm-hmm. of his four year cycle or maybe an eight or twelve year cycle. Yeah. Like uh, un- unless you're in a system like that yeah. where you're training nine, ten, fourteen times a week, it's probably not an option for you. Yeah, like it's a legitimate question. It's it is it bears asking. Well, it's very legitimate, yeah, but uh, if you're wondering like why if he's doing that, should I be doing that? Because I always yeah. think success leaves clues and I think that's a great way of um, 
trying to learn what to do. Yeah. But in this instance, it's not for you. No, and like... Just I to, couldn't even do that. Just to touch on that point, like... Well, I could, but I wouldn't. In terms of building that absolute strength that we need for weightlifting or whatever it is, the back squat seems to be a better tool. Yeah. It's not as normally fatiguing. Yeah. You seem to be able to handle more weight and more intensity than you could in a front squat. It drags up your front squat with it as a big one, I think. Exactly, and it drags up all the other lifts. Mm. Um, and you can recover from a grindy back squat much faster than you can recover from a grindy front squat. That's, yeah, that's the other huge thing. Like, the possibility for injury on a front squat is, yeah. is far higher than it will be on a back squat. And for him, he's the exception that proves the rule as well in this. Like, yeah. he's the... I think Ilya was a similar situation. He didn't seem... He still back squatted. And also, it's part to note, Xi Jiang still does back squats. Yeah. They he said just he just prefers, prefers... He does more front squats than back squats. Yeah. And... And that's, like, that's normal in in the last month of a, yeah. a cycle. Like, and for him... It's perfectly normal. Anatomically, he looks like he just is better at front squats. So yeah. it might just feel better for him all around. And a feeling of movement is obviously very important. Um. Okay, we're going to cut that one there. And now we're going to... We're going to do our Game Changers view, so stay tuned for that on the podcast and the YouTubes. Also, That's actually going to have been uploaded before this one. Okay. So scroll down on your menu. Yeah. And it'll be the Game Changers tear apart. <laughs> also, uh, it's honestly the worst documentary I've ever watched in terms of misinformation. If you enjoy your podcast, we'll get to that later. If you enjoy the podcast and the Q&A sessions and you want to get your question, definitely in support us on Patreon and we'll be posting these whenever we're doing them so you just got to leave it in the comment or send us a message and thank you to all our Patreons currently and if you want to be first on the list for the Q&As get on the Patreon thank you very much thanks guys bye